your authentic resource for everything Mexican. Blonde in Mexico with Danielle Keel. Blonde in Mexico. Hi, hello. Welcome back to Blonde in Mexico. I'm Danielle Keel, and on this podcast, I share my perspective as an American woman living in Mexico on travel, design, culture, uh, who knows. <laughs> um, super happy to be here. I had a very crazy week, and I am ready to talk today about Tulum. So Tulum is this sexy, bohemian, chic place um, in the Riviera, Riviera Maya of Mexico. It is one of the most fabulous places I have ever traveled. Um, one of my favorite, favorite places to go. Um, I think uh, there's a lot of amazing food there. It's really beautiful. It's in front of the Caribbean Sea. It's also not that far from the airport. Um, so it's about an hour and a half drive from Cancun Airport. Um, and it's like a straight, a straight shot. Blonde in Mexico. Te llevo a la playa, te llevo a Cancun, a la Riviera Maya, después a Tulum, ven conmigo a donde vaya. The first time that I went to Tulum, I went just for the day, and we went to Be Tulum, which is this super, it's amazing. They have all these little bungalows, and it's right on the beach, and they have really, really good ceviche, um, and you can go there and just pay like a minimum for food a day. It's not super inexpensive. I think it's like $50 a person. They have to, they do a whole thing where they check and see if they have room for you. And you can actually go in there and just hang out at their beach. Um, that's one of my favorite, favorite places to go. Another one, another place I love to go is called Posada Margarita. And it is an Italian restaurant, also oceanfront. I prefer to go during the day. Um, the view is spectacular, and you eat homemade pasta and drink wine, which doesn't really sound like Tulum, but it like fits it perfectly. Um, it's kind of like shabby chic, and there's lanterns and mirrors and all kinds of um, rustic um, decor, and the gift shop is really, really good. Um, so... As far as hotels and as far as kind of the culture and the mindset that I think that is important that people know before going to Tulum. So if you are the girl or guy that needs to be like super manicured, blow dried hair, um, everything like that, you need to find out if the hotel that you're going to stay in has air conditioning. <laughs> Not every single one does. Um, there are some more kind of like luxurious places, but the theme overall in Tulum is very undone. It's very relaxed. It's, you got to let your hair go. You can't literally, you can't like worry about, um, you know, a little humidity or wind blown. You're going to have salt in your hair. Um, it's really hot. You might be a little sweaty, um, 
So just always have that in mind. You definitely want to have the sunscreen. I see no reason for bringing heels. I mean, I guess someone could do like a little wedge or platform or something like that, but there really is um, no reason for heels there. You need to just embrace it. It's stunning. Um, They have been having a little bit of a seaweed situation taking over, but usually the water is gorgeous and and see-through bluish green and... I mean, there's a breeze, even though it's hot. I mean, it's just this its just this really beautiful pocket. I can't really explain it. And it is a little more built up than it was before, but there are no tall buildings. Everything is, you know, just a couple stories or it's like a bungalow or like, I don't know. There's not giant, huge hotels. There are a couple bigger names, but most mostly everything is like one-off um, it's a Mexican, they're Mexican brands, they're small, boutique, intimate, there's hammocks, there's, um, I don't know, I mean, like a lot of places, you just take your shoes off, um, you can wear your bathing suit, your sarong, go out to dinner like that. Um, I suggest kind of flowy clothes um, and just be comfortable, be yourself. It's a very, I don't know, romantic uh, like I said, bohemian chic. There's a lot of, you'll see a lot of really beautiful people. Um, I don't know, I'm kind of obsessed. So I think that's a great mindset to be in. Oh, and I recommend if you're going to take out pesos, don't take out uh, pesos from the ATM there. The charges are absurd. So, and it is very expensive. It's not a super cheap place to travel. So expect kind of high prices, but just like embrace it. I mean, enjoy your time there. Um, it's really special. It's a really, really special, steamy jungle in front of the ocean type of place. There are some pyramids. You should try to visit those. They're cool. Some ruins. Um, ah, but I was going to tell you about the hotels. Okay. So I have stayed in a variety of places when I visited Tulum. Uh, the first place I ever stayed was a hotel, a boutique hotel called Miamar. And um, I will include the link in the show notes. It's beautiful. And the food was really, really good. The service was great. Um, I actually stayed there for my first birthday when I moved to Mexico, which is like almost, well, it's like four and a half years ago. So I had a bunch of friends come and stay in the hotel and we did a dinner in their pool. So they have a dining table and it's in just about six inches, not even a foot, I don't think, of water. And we had our dinner there. And then next door is the Papaya Playa project. And we went over there and I think we, you know, got some, a bottle of wine or tequila or some, most likely tequila also. Um, And then you just kind of take your shoes off and you, they had like a, like a moon, a moonlit dance party and they had all these stringy lights hanging and we all went dancing and it was so cool. It was a really, really fun birthday. Um, and I totally, totally recommend it. I think you can also stay at the Papaya Playa project. I think they have little bungalows, but it's a little more, um, uh, casual, um, than Mi Amor. Mi Amor is definitely, like, there's air conditioning. We had a little hot tub in front of our room. Um, I really, really liked it. I think it's gorgeous. And I think they own other hotels 
if I'm not mistaken, that are maybe a little bit less expensive that are also spread throughout Tulum. And um, my experience with that brand was awesome. So the next place that I stayed was actually not on the beach. And I have to say, if you're going to stay in Tulum, the, the smartest thing to do is to stay on the beach. It's kind of why you're there. I don't really, there's not really another like downtown or anywhere to go. And um, although it was very cute, the neighborhood that we stayed in, it was called Art House. It was a new, uh, a new development by this really nice Argentinian family. And it's in like, and they have all these little bikes and there are like restaurants and you can ride around, but you really want to be at the beach. So every day you're going over to the beach and you can ride bikes, but it was a little far. Um, we took the car and then that's when we hung out at B. Tulum when you don't have your own beach. That's, that's my number one place where I want to go. Um, but it's actually, I think that you can Airbnb the apartments in Art House. I will also find, again, the information for that and share it. Um, and they were very nice, and it was super comfortable. I mean, it was super great, but I just, being totally you know, transparent, prefer to be on the beach. So the other place that I've stayed now a few times, I was so lucky to be hosted by these people, and I think it's just mind-blowing. Uh, the concept and what they're doing is Azalik. So Azalik is like this grown-up beach house. It's all, uh, it's made with materials that are from the same land. They don't interrupt anything. So there's like little cenotes and the, you know, if there's a tree coming up somewhere, uh, it, they accommodated it in the design. It's basically set inside I believe they have like 42 rooms and they're all kind of like suites with these big ceramic bathtubs. Um, and it's set directly in front of the ocean. If you have an oceanfront room, you look down and literally the ocean is there. There's not even beach. Um, but there is a private beach right next to it that's actually clothing optional. Newsflash. But it's not the clothing optional beach where the, that has all the people that you really don't want to see naked. It actually has like really beautiful people. Um, but anyway, um, so it's just like this fantastical, ridiculous concept with winding wooden pathways, um, going around the forest and leading you to the rooms. And, um, I first went there, I guess it was like two years ago and I was lucky enough. I wrote an article for architectural digest, um, on the property, and then I went back afterwards. So I, the first time you go there, you're just totally in awe. Um, the concept um, also includes, <laughs> uh, they really want you to take uh, advantage of all your senses, right? And they want you to get in touch with yourself and with nature and just let go. So they don't have electricity um, other than the ceiling fan that's over your bed, and there is heated water for your bath, but there's not air conditioning. Um, there's not light at nighttime in your room. They come in around 6 p.m. and light candles. And so <laughs> when we would go out for dinner, I would like set my PJs out and anything that I would need to get ready for bed because you almost can't see anything. But I don't know. It just kind of forces you to slow down. You can't take a shower because there's only bathtubs. 
Um, you have to walk slow because all of the wooden paths are, they're kind of rustic. They're super sturdy, which is surprising. Um, but you, you just, I don't know. You can't wear high heels there. Those are off limits. Do not bring heels to Azalik. It may be really expensive. Don't, don't be fooled. It's, it's still a super casual place. The food's amazing. Almost everything's organic. Um, they have this cool restaurant it's called King Toe that has all these different nets and it's dark and there's just candles there too. And they have um, something I ate there that was super delicious was the chocolate dessert and some steak. I don't know, but it was delicious. And the breakfast every morning is insane. It's super good. The breakfast is ridiculous. You can uh, go be with a shaman in a sweat lodge. They have a spa. Now they have a museum on property, um, which I wrote about in uh, this September issue of Design Hunter. Actually, um, another part of Azalik made the cover, but we stayed in the hotel and we visited the residence of the owner of and uh, brainchild. Um, uh, so amazing. His name is Roth. He's a self-taught architect and he, um, he created all of this. And I just, I mean, you know, you think you have some dreams and you don't know if they're going to come true. Like he literally like took the dreams out of his head and made these incredible uh, installations and hotel and everything. It just like he took his wildest dreams and made them come true. It's just, uh, it's so amazing. So anyway, he has now, um, he, he now has a museum um, on the Azalik beachfront property. And then he created another one um, that is in the middle of the jungle in between Tulum and another city called Koba. Koba, I think is how it's pronounced. So you have to drive there. It's about 30, 35 minutes. You don't pass much. But you go there, and his home is the model for his upcoming residences. And we toured the home. Um, you have to take your shoes off. And he's introduced uh, concrete into these designs. So it's smooth concrete and wood. And I believe inside of his house, there's like 88 trees. Like it was literally built around the forest uh, jungle that's there. Um, and so was the museum. So in the museum is literally next door to his house. So just picture his beautiful, um, I will put a link to the article. I will put pictures, anything you guys want to know about Azalik. I've really studied it, and now I've had two articles published on it. So it's kind of um, something I'm like super in love with and know really well. But um, I believe you have to make a special appointment to go to the museum, but it is open to the public. Um, and it's just incredible. I think it's 16 meters tall, um, which is around, actually, I don't know the translation into feet. I will add that in. <laughs> and uh, they have um, a culinary experience with this amazing chef, and they serve you, and you're sitting in the middle of the forest. Jungle. It's a jungle. It's not a forest. It's a hot, steamy jungle. So there's monkeys, and I guess there's boa constrictors, which I am not a fan, but luckily I didn't see any when I was there. Um, and all these beautiful birds, and you're just immersed in this just amazingness. And so they're going to build a 40-room 40, um, hotel 
uh, slash residence in the middle of the jungle. Um, and his house is just the kickoff. And it was just the most insane thing you'll ever see. I'm a super fan of his bookcases, which are all installed in the floor. Um, I don't know. It was just a really cool experience. So uh, if you're in Tulum and you can't stay at Azalik, I recommend visiting it. It is so chic. Ah, you know what you can do while you're there? Make plans to go to the nest. So they have a nest and one side of it's open to just guests and the other side of it's open to um, people visiting, um, you know, outside hotel guests from other hotels or locals, I guess. Um, And it's like literally like a nest, like a gigantic bird's nest. And you go up and it's overlooking all of kind of like their mangroves inside the jungle and you can see the ocean and you can see all the cool... um, all the cool rooms in the adult tree house that is as a leak. I totally, totally recommend going there. Tulum is, I think, a part of authentic Mexico. Um, and the part that stands out of out to me the most, um, besides the beautiful beaches and the ocean and that it's hot and bohemian and relaxed and glamorous all at the same time, um, is the art. I think there's a lot of really amazing art there. Um, and there's an artist that I really like that has quite a few installations in Tulum that you may not even notice if you don't know who she is. Um, her name is Olivia Steele. And we were walking actually from Azalik, which I don't recommend this walk at night. The sun was setting. First of all, you need to have a lot of bug spray. But um, I don't really think it's safe to walk along the main road that goes in front of the beach at Tulum at night, unless you're just like walking from one venue to another. But people are kind of speeding around. It's a two lane uh, street. And, you know, it's so relaxed there that I'm sure people are driving and drinking and smoking pot or whatever it is that they do. And maybe not paying attention because it's that relaxed there. So I don't recommend doing this. But the last time I was there, which was in August, so last month, we were there and, uh, or maybe it was July. But anyway, we were walking along the street and I actually had written an article in Design Hunter about this artist, Olivia Steele, and I'm kind of obsessed with her. Um, I don't know if... Anyone else has paid attention? There's kind of been a trend in um, neon. I know that this is something, obviously, that's a reoccurring trend um, from the 60s and 70s um, and maybe the 30s and 40s. I'm not sure. But there's a lot of neon happening. Um, I think it's a trend that's here to stay personally. But she does a lot of neon art. Um, One place I can tell you where her art is is in the bowling alley in the Edison, um, the Edition, sorry, the Edition Hotel in in Miami. And I think it's in North Miami Beach. I don't think it's on South Beach. But there, she has a phrase that's in neon over the bowling alley. Um, there's a building that I pass by here in Mexico City that has some more of her neon work. She's really cool. I'll definitely include her because I'm such a fan. I'll include her in the notes so you guys can look her up. But she just, uh, she does a lot at Burning Man. Um, she does huge installations there. I think she's she lives all over the world. Um, I know she lives like in Germany, and then she comes 
to Mexico City sometimes, and she's going back and forth, and she's actually beautiful from the pictures I've seen. But anyway, so she does um, street signs, and these street signs, uh, they have these striking phrases, and they're just really cool. You have to see them. So she has quite a few set up along the main um, the main drag in front of the beach um, in Tulum, and we were walking, and I didn't know. I knew she had some there, but I didn't know exactly where they were, and I found two of them, and I was freaking out. Um, so they look like regular street signs. Um, I'll see if I can post the pictures that we took so you guys can see them, but her art is there. But there's also a lot of Mayan art. There's There's a lot of creativity. There's a lot of... I don't want to say DIY, but you know, it's, it's all cool. It's all chic. There's a lot of handmade stuff. There's shopping, there's beautiful dresses and flowy skirts and bikinis. And I don't know. I just think it's amazing. It's super fabulous. Uh, another time we were walking, we walked, um, to one of the cenotes that's right there on the Tulum beach. So I have to say, I have not yet found a cenote. A cenote is just a natural, like, swimming pool, basically, in the ground. But a lot of them have, like, rocks, or they might have, like, vegetation, and it might look like there may or may not be, like, an alligator or something in there. So the one that we went to in Tulum, which is driving pretty far down the, the main drag, we went there and we wanted to swim in the cenote. And then, like I said, this one looked like it had an alligator in it. So we turned around and went to B. Tulum and decided to have drinks instead, which I think is always a good option to have, you know? Sometimes you just don't want to take the chance that there's animals in, in murky water. But I do know that the whole uh, Riviera Maya has a ton of cenotes. And if you're an adventure seeker, um, and you like that sort of thing. It's definitely something to research. Um, everyone has opinions of which one's the best one. I can't really tell you, but I can find out. So l- let me know if you want to know. I'll find out for you the best cenote or two or three to go to. Um, and they advertise that stuff coming out of the Cancun airport. So you'll see like different signs. But usually your hotel concierge can direct you to like what's the closest one, what's the best one. Sometimes they can send you with the guide. Um, and there's little private areas all over the place around there that are not are really untouched. So I encourage you to explore and find your own little, you know, part of the world. Um, it's just super special over there. Um, another advantage of Tulum is that it's close to Merida, which is another one of my super favorite cities. Um, It's actually the first city that I traveled to with my boyfriend before I moved here. And I had New Year's there, and we stayed at this hotel called Rosas and Chocolate. So Rosas y Chocolate has a really cool story. Um, We're friends, actually, with um, the guy that owns it. His name is Carol. So like Carol... um, and I think his last name, it's, I don't, I'm not going to say it right. But anyway, he's a very handsome American Mexican that moved to Merida after he retired from his career and was strolling around. Um, he was strolling around the city 
And one day he saw this deserted house. So Mexico is famous for its haciendas, which are basically like um, Mexican... They're mansions in Mexico that are colonial usually, and they have the big courtyards in the middle, and they're stunning, and they have a lot of bedrooms. So this one in particular, it had 17 bedrooms. So he was retired, so he bought this house, and he was like, I really want to do something with this. And so, you know, he had some time on his hands. So he remodeled it and painted the outside pink, and he named it Rosas y Chocolate because his mom was named Rosa and she loved chocolate. So there's like a pink um, theme running through. Um, and it is such a cool hotel. I have so many good memories there. I stay there every time I go to Merida. I'm super lucky. And it's on the fancy main street. It's precious. It's beautiful. They have the best food. Um, if you do go there, you have to try the chicharron de pulpo, which is basically like a super crispy calamari. Uh, it's so amazing. And the agua fresca that they have there, it's made with hoja santa. And sorry, I had to get my dog up on my lap. Uh, she likes to be a part of this. Um, it's a agua fresca. It's green. I think it hits lima which is uh, a little bit, it's, it's almost like an orange and a lime uh, together, um, some kind of Latin hybrid, um, and with hoja santa, which is kind of like mint, but not as strong, and they blend it all up, and they make it into this water, and it's like the most delicious thing. Um, you need to drink a lot of water when you're there because it is so hot, in Merida, and that's the only bad thing, that it's so, so hot and there's not water. But like I said, it's in super close proximity to Tulum. You can, uh, I, I wouldn't recommend a day trip. I would recommend going and splitting up your trip because uh, they're both so worth it and they're both so different. Um, Merida, I feel like, is really like about wearing the Guayavera shirts and a pair of shorts, and you kind of stroll around. There's a lot of really good restaurants. There is um, another boutique hotel that I love there called Coqui Coqui, which is kind of now all over Mexico, and they only have boutique uh, hotels. Some of them only have one room. The one in Merida only has one room, and I recommend going and shopping at the boutique. They have delicious, amazing candles. Their branding is really pretty. They have uh, oil diffusers. They have these woven hats. They have really expensive necklaces um, that are all like woven, but they're so cool. It's like so worth it. And if you get something from there, it's something that you will just be so happy to have from your trip. Um, but many of that is fabulous, and I'm sure I will talk more about it on another episode, but that's one of the destinations that I recommend visiting from Tulum. You could also go see Chichen Itza, which, of course, is one of the wonders of the world, but I have to be totally frank. It's not as, it's, it's, the upkeep is bad. Like, I don't know. We should, you know, have a fundraiser for it or something. No one's taking care of it. It seemed really run down ridiculously so hot to go there and dry. Um, I have to say, I didn't really enjoy it that much. I don't know if I'm just real bratty or, or what. 
Um, it's not that I didn't appreciate it or not like it, but it wasn't that great of an experience, and I wasn't like that wowed. Um, I think the ruins in Athens are better, <laughs> if you're going to compare. Sorry. Um, ah, que mas en Merida. Ah. Also, Tulum is close to Playa del Carmen, which is what you pass on the way from the Cancun airport. If you go the other way, uh, you can go to Holbox, which I hope to be reporting on that soon. I don't know. I've never been to Holbox. All I hear is that it's Tulum before it was developed at all. So it's really, really relaxed. It's in the middle of nowhere, a little beach town. You hop on a hammock. You go out on the boat. It's really incredible. Um, working my way back to Cancun, I'm not such a fan. Um, I think Cancun's a really good destination if you live in Mexico and you want to go and shop and stuff like that. But culturally, I'm not so into Cancun. The ocean's really beautiful. Um, but I'm not such a fan of the actual Cancun, although it is a very, very convenient airport. Um, and when you're staying in Cancun, one advantage is that you can take a boat and go over to Isla Mujeres, so the woman's island. And there's a lot of private houses there. I think it would be cool to rent a house and stay there one time. Uh, but I've only been there once, and we went to a little beach club and had fresh lobster and sat on the water, and it like could not have been better. They have a little, uh, they have a beach, a very flat uh, beach, like super casual. And then if you go around some of the winding streets to the back, I'll also look up the name of this restaurant, but it was a gem. And it's this adorable beach club, and we had a blast and a delicious, delicious lunch. So Isla Mujeres is like a, a good day trip. I also visited in Cancun this really amazing oceanfront, totally, totally fresh, like local seafood restaurant, which was not touristy at all. And I will find out that. I'm sorry. Sometimes I just forget the names, but I always remember the experiences. So I will do my little research and share that with you guys because I think it's a total... Um, a total, like a total, it's a dive, but like the best place that you could actually go. Uh, I do have a story to share about Cancun um, because yes, I've had to go there various times for work and I actually traveled. Uh, we were invited to stay at a hotel uh, for my boyfriend's job and they kept asking and asking and this fabulous architect created uh, the structure and it was super, super beautiful. But we arrived and I guess the night before, I mean, he didn't have much uh, warning, but the night before he received some note from the resort that's like, Clothing optional, you're allowed to take off your top or some kind of something like that. And he shared that with me. And he was like, <laughs> he was like, uh, I just want to let you know that I just got this email. So I'm not really sure what's going to happen. And it was just, we were super busy. We didn't research it. And um, we're kind of used to like just hopping on a plane and going to do these things. And it actually happened to be our anniversary. So he's like, well, you know, they keep inviting us. Why don't we just go and check it out? So it turns out this place. It's called Temptation. <laughs> it turns out this place is actually uh, part of a couple's or like a, I don't know exactly what they're called, but not a swingers hotel, but it's like a club that's like international and these people have memberships and they buy packages and they hop back and forth to these 
it, like I said, it's like topless, uh, uh, you know, um, you know, people aren't wearing a lot of clothes. It's a little flirty, I guess. But basically, we arrived, and it was just weird because normally everywhere we go is kind of more um, international crowd, and it was a lot of, like, Americans and Canadians in the lobby. And we were kind of like, huh. And then there were, like, all these people running around trying to sell them packages, and so then we were also confused. And we were starving, so we went to... It was also all-inclusive. So... You know, we went to one of the restaurants, which is, we arrived at a weird time, like 3 p.m. or something. And so we went down to like the only restaurant that was open. And this restaurant was on the side of the pool, the main pool. And there was a pool party in full action. And we were trying to eat. And there were all these middle-aged, maybe, I don't want to be mean, but not super, uh, desirable for me uh, people half naked dancing in the pool so there were like old men and then they were like gross men and they were like a lot of girls with tattoos on their back and um, they were wasted but they looked like they were having the time of of their life so I mean that was good but I have to say it wasn't like anywhere else that we've ever visited and so then we went up to our room and you go out on the balcony and there's like naked people on their balcony and we were like eh. and I guess it was um, like this glow night theme they had like theme things every night that we didn't really go to and so we had a dinner reservation and we went down to the dining room and everybody was dressed in like day glow colors so that they could go to like the special party afterwards. And and then there was a, I had to have like a lot of drinks actually because I didn't know what to do with myself. It was such a weird atmosphere that I wasn't used to. And um, there was a couple next to us that started talking to me and it was like, uh, I was a little tipsy, like I said. So they were talking to us and, and then... Uh, I didn't realize they were trying to like couple up with us because then they got up to go to the bathroom or something and Davi was like, Danielle, stop talking to them because they think you like them. And I was like, no, they don't. And so I was just sitting there talking. I was like, so did you come here um, on purpose? (laughs) And I don't know why I said that, but it was because I had a a lot of wine or whatever. And, And she was like, yeah, I like the option whether I, you know, to wear my top or not. And I was like, Mm. And I was like, yeah, we didn't know it was, um, you know, topless optional resort. You know, we didn't know it was clothing optional. So um, I think then she got kind of like insulted. And then I was ordering a drink and I was like, do you want one? I mean, they're free. You know, it's like uh, all inclusive. I don't know. David said he was surprised that they didn't pick me up and carry me out of there. So finally I stopped talking so much. And um <laughs> But it was really funny. I think they left to go to the glow party and, you know, we didn't end up going. So anyway, it was very interesting. We went another night to the fancy, fancy restaurant on the property and there was a stripper pole in the middle of the steakhouse. So, you know, it was just kind of like an experience and it was pretty funny um, because it was for our anniversary. And I'm usually like very, um, I grew up in Florida, so I was in a bathing suit half the time and I'm not real super conservative Um, but I felt like I had to cover up a lot because it was so, um, on the forefront, on the forefront, it was just very obvious that everyone was there to like check everybody out. And so when you change your perspective, it makes you feel, and you're not into it. It makes you feel a little like, 
you want to cover up. You know what I mean? I went on the beach and I didn't even take off my cover up. I, and I didn't want to just be in my bathing suit because I felt like I was inviting something. So anyway, those are some of my experiences in Cancun. I think it's a good place to stop and there are good places to go. It's just not my favorite place to be. Uh, Playa del Carmen totally depends what it is that you want to do and who you're with. Um, I'm just kind of talking you through like an in proximity from the airport. It's like Cancun and you go out and you go one way, you're going to pass Playa del Carmen and then you're going to get to Tulum. And then the other way is the whole box. So Playa del Carmen is a, this little beach town. It's super touristy. I think you can have fun. I went, my friend, my best friend had her bachelorette party there and we ended up having a blast you go to the Mamitas Beach Club, you go to Mandala, and none of us go to clubs anymore. So that was like really fun for us. I stayed in a few different places in Playa del Carmen. So I'll give you my scoop on the hotel situation. So the first time I went, I stayed in this uh, resort, which actually I'll share this, a link to this too. I wrote an article on this resort for Architectural Digest. That's how I knew about it. It's called Magical. So like magical, but it's spelled different. And you say Magical. And it was like this little oasis and you would never know that you were in a touristy place and it had all these really simple bungalows and hammocks and the beach was adorable. The food was so good. Um, I loved it. And it's just on like a little side street. Um, The other place I stayed um, before is called B Playa. So it's related to B Tulum, the other super chic, beautiful place that I love in uh, Tulum. Um, So it was kind of bohemian, cute. The rooms were very, very cute. I didn't feel it was like super warm and cozy or anything, but it was cool. It was like fine. And it's not on the beach. So, you know, that's kind of sad, but it was cool. And then I stayed most recently, um, which is also in the September uh, Design Hunter. I had to go check it out. Um, the Thompson in Playa del Carmen. So the Thompson Beach House is right in front of the water. It's small. I think there's 27 rooms. Um, The design is pretty cool. The Sunday brunch is awesome. Um, And then about three blocks walking away is the Thompson Main House. So that one is kind of right in the middle of everything. You can like walk to the little clubs, Um, they have a really fun beach party, um, on the weekends. Uh, we went on a Saturday, um, it's called Alessio and it was really good. I was so impressed with, um, with the staff and their little outfits. They had these beautiful dancers in bikinis and the service was amazing. The food was so good. Um, they also have the restaurant catch from New York, Um, which I think they also have in Miami now. So that restaurant's up there. They have this beautiful uh, view. And that that one's more for the movers and shakers, I guess. The beach house is much more relaxed. Um, Our our view of the ocean in palm trees was insane. Um, I'll try and share some of the pictures from my trip. It was amazing. So basically... You have a lot of options of flying into Cancun Airport. There's a lot of shopping and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure there's some jewels of hotels. And if you really like clothing optional places, Temptation is definitely an option. <laughs> um, so I wanted this podcast to be all about Tulum. So you kind of got the whole scoop. I mean, basically over there, um, everywhere is hot. 
um, Riviera Maya has so many places like, you know, from one city to another, it's not such a voyage. It's definitely somewhere that I would make a, a vacation out of. Um, you could even rent a car and stay in each place for a few days. Um, if you go back over to Merida, I mean, that is just so stunning. It's such such a beautiful colonial place. So you can do a kind of roundabout, maybe like a touristy beach town and then like chic bohemian and then go over to Merida and it's more kind of sophisticated Mexican chic, if that makes any sense. Um, so anyway, let me know your questions about Riviera Maya. So happy to answer them. Tulum is definitely um, on my list of top five or six cities that I'm obsessed with. Um, but the other ones are good too. Merida is in there. Merida is definitely in there. So let me know your questions, thoughts, um, and any other ideas. I'd love to know what you guys like about it, like about it there. You're listening to the podcast Blonde in Mexico with Danielle Keel. Blonde in Mexico. Okay, so... I like to try and share a tip every week. And this tip is not necessarily specific to Mexico. It's more about travel and it's something that I do. Um, it applies to Mexico for me because obviously I live here in Mexico City. But um, basically this is about the hotel toiletries. Everybody loves the hotel toiletries, right? Like sometimes we go out in the hall, we take more off the cart. It's a cute little soap. Everything's miniature. The good thing about these is that they're small. You can travel with them. So tip number one, I suggest um, bringing either a shampoo or a body wash or a bubble bath or something like that in your purse when you're going to be traveling on a plane. For me, there's nothing worse than plain soap. It makes my hands super dry. Um, I also don't usually like the soap in the airports. It's like, I don't know. I don't know what they put in it, but it... it It dries my hands out really bad. So I take one of these little soaps or little shampoos. It's the liquid the liquid ones, but they're always going to be fine to be on the plane because they're like super tiny. And I use that to wash my hands. Or if someone has an accident and you need to rinse out a shirt and get a stain out, it, it's super good to have it. Usually they're pretty high quality, the ones in, in hotels. So it's always good to have. Number two... I usually take, I mean, admittedly, it's kind of, I don't know if it's embarrassing. I mean, I'm not embarrassed, but, you know, I mean, maybe nobody likes to talk about the fact that they take all the, the toiletries. And when you travel a lot, you end up collecting all these toiletries and you're like, what am I really going to do with them, right? So one thing that I do with them is uh, I save them for guests. Um, it's really easy to put a few little miniature things in the bathroom when you have someone um, visiting and or in their guest room. And it's just super cute. I mean, it's it's just a nice little touch. Okay, so that's another one. Another one is that I pack these things up. Um, if you ever go on international flights, usually you get like socks and all kinds of eye masks and chapstick and whatever. So I take those. I take the shampoos. Um, I usually uh, take the toothbrushes. Those are usually in the international ones too. Usually they're my boyfriend's and I just take his. Um, and I take that and then I go in my boyfriend's drawer and he wears a lot of black t-shirts and I like to pick out the ones that 
maybe he's not using anymore. And I make a little bag and then I go and I deliver it to the homeless guys in my neighborhood. So, you know, they have soap and maybe they can like fresh it up. And I also try to put some socks in there. And then maybe if I had any bottled water. Um, so usually I will go through all of those uh, little hotel things and make like little packages and there's like certain guys that I always like to give stuff to so that's something that you can do I mean if there's someone that's less fortunate that you know everybody likes to freshen up that's never going to be a no you know what I mean so anyone that you can think of that might appreciate something like that I mean it's a re-gift but it can be a really really nice thing um, the last thing that I do is I always take the slippers um and sometimes you go to hotels that don't have slippers, but I'll have the slippers in my carry-on bag, and so I always have some. I have a, a thing for slippers. So I take the slippers uh, from, you know, when I'm traveling, the ones that aren't worn, and we put them in our guest room. I use them on the plane if it's a long flight, so you can take off your shoes and you can go to the bathroom and not put your shoes back on, and then at the end of the flight, you can throw away the, the slippers. I think airport bathrooms are one of the grossest things around town. So I like to throw away those slippers. But anyway, I know everyone takes these things from the rooms. I mean, let's be serious. Uh, and there, you can really put them to good use. And I know that a lot of them are sitting under your bathroom counter right now. So there's some ideas for you. Okay, guys, so I hope that was informative. Um, definitely uh, my perspective of everything. Um, and I've been so lucky to go to these places. I'm super happy to share it. Um, so I hope uh, if anyone's here in Mexico, you can go to the Sanborns and get the Design Hunter with these articles. Or you can go to Zinio, uh, the Latin American Zinio, which I'll leave the link in the show notes as well. And you can read these articles. Um Ah, you know what? I'll also link them. That'll be easier for you. But you can subscribe to Design Hunter and Zinio if you want to. I get to write every month, so that's pretty exciting. Um, so let me know your questions, your comments. Um, this is only my third podcast, so feel free to, <laughs> to share your advice or what you're thinking or what I can change, what I can do better. And I would so, so appreciate you guys going to iTunes and rating, reviewing, and subscribing uh, you can also go to Spotify and find Blonde in Mexico. And it's specially featured on my awesome uh, friends, PasajerosFM.com. So that's P-A-S-A-J-E-R-O-S-F-M.com. Um, that means uh, passengers like you're going on a trip. You know what I mean? So they have all kinds of good uh, podcasts in Spanish. I think I'm the only one in English. Um, uh, you can follow me on Instagram at Blonde in Mexico. And I look forward to hearing from you guys and talking to you next week. Adios. Besitos. Authentic resource for everything Mexican. Blonde in Mexico with Danielle Keel.